0: All right, so we have been talking about being salty. That's the, uh, the sermon series we've been discussing. We've broken down Jesus' teachings of how we should be the salt of the earth and how if we're saltless salt, there's not much He can do with us. We've talked about how we need to be the light of the world, but we are only the light of the world when we are conformed to the image of Jesus because Jesus is the light of the world. We've talked about the blind man being healed and how if we distill all of our experiences, all of the great, unbelievably wonderful things that God has done to us into one sentence, then it's something we can grasp. So the one sentence testimony thing, I I really encourage you to do it. Write down your one sentence testimony. The blind man's was, I was blind and now I see. We've had several people put their one-sentence testimony in my mailbox outside my office, please do that. Please, please do that. We want to put that in the newsletter that's going out, and it'll be the most encouraging thing if we can just fill the pages with people's one-sentence testimonies. So today, we are going to talk about John chapter 3. Now, we're going to jump around a little bit, but John chapter 3 contains the most popular verse, the one that the uh, children's sermon was on John 3:16 but John chapter 3 is kind of unbelievable in its depth because it talks about the whole bible the whole process and it breaks down Christianity into one sentence now we are going to start with one cliche and we're going to end with one cliche we're gonna go from cliche to cliche because Christianity, a lot of times, has been boiled down to just these buzzwords, these, these cliches. But we're gonna dig into two big ones because they hold the key. I mean, cliches are cliche for a reason, right? It's because we use them over and over again. And it's because if we dig in a little deeper, they've got unbelievable truth. So we're gonna be doing what we did the last couple of weeks where we're going to go through a big chunk of scripture just a little bit at a time now i pray that i can talk about this clearly and concisely because in any of my practices i have not quite hit it yet so um pray with me you know i mean we we want to learn what god has to say and this is really the coolest message so let's just start off in john three now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Let's stop right here. This, this section of scripture that we're going to be looking at is really comprised of this pattern where Nicodemus and Jesus are talking to one another. Now, these two verses frame the whole thing, and it's interesting because Nicodemus comes by night because Nicodemus doesn't want to be seen with Jesus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a, a very smart smart man, somebody who studied, somebody who cares about the, the ritual, the traditions. But notice how he also calls Jesus rabbi, and that means a lot. See, Nicodemus acknowledges that Jesus has got something to teach him, So we're starting off with this kind of crazy thing where Jesus is talking to a Pharisee, where the truth is talking to somebody who misunderstands the truth, where Jesus is about to bring a a ton of simplicity to somebody who loves complexity. It's this really cool interaction that happens. And we're going to learn a ton because we as humanity like to complicate the most simple of things. And Jesus always brings simplicity because the truth is simple. All right. Starting off in verse 3, we're about to hit this pattern where Jesus is going to say something and Nicodemus is going to ask the question, now how can this be? So let's read from 3 to 8. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Now how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus here just throws down a challenge, throws down a teaching that is core to understanding, and it really gets to the core of what we'd want to ask Jesus. See notice Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you were born again. Now, this see the kingdom of God refers to two things. One, it refers to now, and it also refers to later. In like, we can't understand what God is doing now unless we are born again. And also, we won't see the kingdom of God later. Now, I want us to be Christians about the now, be the salt of the earth now, bring in the kingdom of God now. But also, it is nice to know that there's going to be a later. So Jesus is talking about those two here. And he breaks it down. To, you got to be born again. you got to be born again. Now, again, that's a cliche that we we have heard a ton. I guarantee you, if you've been to a church, you've heard the pastor talking about being born again. And it's important. But we've, we, we've made it so mundane and we've taken kind of the craziness out of it. And, and Nicodemus is right in that moment. Born again. What, what are you talking about? See, I... I'm a little bigger than I was when I was came into this world. And I don't think that I can go through that again. Jesus breaks it down simply. He says, you got to be born of water and spirit, water and spirit. Now, again, this is often misunderstood. We talk about this and, and most people talk about baptism and the Holy Spirit. And that's true in a way. But baptism is an inward change that is signified by an outward action, right? Baptism is not this thing that if you, if you weren't physically put in water... And told that you were baptized, you're not going to get to the kingdom of God, knock on the door, say, Jesus, I've, I've known you, I've followed you, I've followed your commands. I love you. We've talked daily and Jesus is going to be like, yeah, I like you a lot, but you didn't do that one thing. You know, You, you, you didn't quite take that swim. No, baptism is a, is a spiritual thing. Baptism is heavenly. Now we need to seal it with an outward covenant. However, Jesus is talking about so much more than just the discipline of baptism here. Okay, Ezekiel 36. Turn with me to Ezekiel 36. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is referencing Ezekiel 36. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. Pastor, come on. A, A sermon from Ezekiel. That's so cliche. I've heard Ezekiel preached a thousand times. I know every word in Ezekiel, but just stick with me. Ezekiel 36 Ezekiel 36:22 Ezekiel 36:22 This is what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is referring to this passage of scripture. Ezekiel 36:22 Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, "It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came." And a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus is referring to that water and that spirit. Now, that does absolutely have a lot to do with baptism. However, this is the passage of scripture Jesus is talking about. And so this whole idea of being born again refers to that passage in Ezekiel. Now, Jesus is saying here, listen, when you're born again, it's like you're a new creation. It's like the old has gone away, and it's like you're a baby being born again. And that comes with a new heart. The heart of stone is taken out of your chest, and you start to care. You start to to feel differently. You're not as calloused as you once were. That also comes with some cleanliness. God says, I'm going to clean you from your idols, from your unrighteousness, from yourself. I'm gonna clean you from that. I'm gonna gather you to myself. And I'm gonna put a spirit within you that's gonna help you follow my commands. Right? And so that's that rebirth. Man, if we get cleansed, a new heart, a new spirit, and gathered to the Lord, we're completely different people. The old has passed away, the old is gone. So that's what that rebirth is talking about. Now, That is the the, the passage of scripture, and and we are probably all on the same page right now. Great. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. I want to do that. But how in the world can I do that? And that is exactly what Nicodemus asks Jesus. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And Moses lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Stop right there. So Nicodemus asks, how can this be? Listen, that new heart thing sounds great. That, clean, that cleanliness from unrighteousness sounds great. I don't want to have idols. That sounds great. Take out my heart of stone. Gather me up. Let me follow you. That sounds great. But how in the world can we do that practically? I mean, you know, what, do we just, what do I have to do? And Jesus, like he did, referencing Ezekiel, references another passage in scripture. And this is crazy. When I, when I read this for the first time, I mean, it, it's, un, it's unreal. So turn with me to Numbers 21.9. Numbers one nine. Again, I know what you're saying, Pastor, come on, you're going with all these cliche verses. Numbers, I read numbers every day before I go to bed. But Again, stick with me. Numbers or I'm sorry, twenty-one four, twenty-one four. Okay. Let me give you some context of this here. God's people have been wandering in the desert. Remember they, they were following Moses, they got outside the promised land. God was like, Go in. They were like, We're we're good. We we don't want to go. And so they had to wander the wilderness, and Moses is leading them around the wilderness. Well, this is where we are. They're wandering in the wilderness, and this happens. From Mount Hor, they set out to away to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. We loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. If you read that without understanding the New Testament, you're like, what is going on here? OK, so people sin against God and God sends some snakes and the snakes are biting the people and the people are dying. And 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 then God tells Moses to, to make a snake on out of bronze and hold it up. I mean, I mean, that seems like an idol, a snake. We don't like snakes because they serpents because we know that in Genesis they're not good. And so what in the world is happening here? Why is Jesus in response to this? How do I be born again? Referencing some weird teaching, some weird story from Israel's history, especially not a good one. It's because it's the same thing today. It's the same thing today. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Jesus ain't talking about being made great there. Jesus is not talking about people saying good things about him. Jesus is literally being talked about being hung on a tree in Calvary, being put up high so everybody can see. See, in the same way, we are the same way as the people of Israel. We are God's people. And we have sinned and rebelled against God, mumbled against him, not trusted him, hated the blessings that he gave us. And so because of that, we have poison running through our veins. And all we have to do is remember and look to Jesus Christ's sacrifice at Calvary. Think about it. If you're an Israelite and you get bit by a snake and you are about to die, all you have to do is look to that bronze serpent. That's all you got to do. You don't have to go wash in some pool with a name that's hard to pronounce. You don't have to do 50 push-ups. You don't have to say 85 Hail Marys. No, you just have to look at the serpent, and you're safe. The poison from your vein goes. In the same way, you and I, unrepentant hearts, people who strayed against God, people who have hated his blessing, people who have poison in our veins... All we have to do is look at Jesus Christ lifted high. Jesus Christ lifted on us on a tree that we deserve. See, those those Israelites would look at this snake and say, that is what happened. I got bit by a snake because I'm unrepentant and I'm rebelling against God. And the same way we look at Jesus Christ and say, that's where we deserve to be. That is our sin on display for all to see. The only difference is we don't see our sin. We see God taking it away. We see God taking it away. And really, it all comes down to this simplicity. You want to be born again. You want to have a new heart put in. You want to be cleansed from your unrighteousness. You want to be gathered up by God. All you got to do is look at Jesus Christ. Remember what he did for you. Remember that he died in your place. It's that simple. That's why this chapter is so incredible. That's why this verse in Numbers is so crazy. Is because you're telling me all I have to do is just remember and look to Jesus Christ. And then the poison will be gone from my veins. You'll give me a new heart. You'll cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Gather me to yourself. It's that simple. So we have gone from be born again cliche to look to Jesus cliche. Now that born again, we've broken down into new hearts, cleanliness, new spirit. And so let's break down that look to Jesus cliche. What that is, is just following his teachings. Reading the gospels for yourself. Understanding what Jesus taught and said to do. But more than that, Praying in his name to God the Father who he died to where you can talk to him. Looking to Jesus means in every situation you're trying to act and be in a way that would bring honor to Jesus Christ. It's holding on to that gospel. It's holding on and making that the center point of your life. No matter where you are, no matter how problems, how many problems you got around you, you are looking to Jesus on Calvary. It's that simple. That's what Christianity boils down to, man. Just look to Jesus. Because now we're going to get into the why. So Nicodemus and Jesus are talking. Jesus tells him, you got to be reborn. Nicodemus is like, now what is that about? Jesus explains by referencing Ezekiel. Nicodemus asks, well, how in the world can we do that? Jesus explains by referencing the story in Numbers. All you got to do is look. And now we're going to get into the why. Why is it so important? Why should we do it? Why? And that, that is where we pick up that most famous verse. The light has come into the world and the people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it might be clearly seen what his works have been carried out in God. Jesus is saying this is the judgment. When you boil down all everything, It comes to this. Do you love Jesus or do you not? Do you follow him or don't you? That's the judgment. It's that simple. Man, we we always try to count how many good things we do on a daily basis. And we have some thing in our head that maybe if we can average like five good deeds a day when we get to heaven, we can show God our, our Christian GPA and he'll let us in. No. It's about. Do you love Jesus or don't you? Do you look to him or do you not? It's that simple. That's the judgment. Because Jesus Christ came down. God came down into the world. God, the creator of the world, came down and told us to do some things, told us to follow him, told us to love our neighbors. So did we or didn't we? It's that simple. And the did we or didn't we It's just looking to Jesus, man. We just got to follow him. John 3, this chapter just breaks it down so simply. Man, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be reborn. How do you do that? You look to Jesus. Why? Because that's the judgment. Does that make sense? Am I explaining this well? Because I've been tongue-tied and tongue-tied and tongue-tied trying to figure out how to communicate this because it excites me so much. Do we understand now on a practical level why we need to read our Bibles? Why we need to compare Scripture to Scripture? Because you come across that Numbers verse, that Numbers story, and it doesn't make a lick of sense. You come across that Ezekiel passage, and you're saying, okay, this is kind of random. But then you go and you read Jesus just bringing it all together. And that's the key to the Bible. You keep Jesus in mind while you're reading from Genesis to Revelation, and that determines the scripture. That shows what's been happening. This means so much to me. Because this is it. I mean, this is it. This is, this is all there is. Just look to Jesus. You're going to hear me say a lot of sermons. You're going to hear me say... Try to communicate a lot of things, but this is the core of it. This is Christianity. Man, look to Jesus. Follow Jesus because he loved you enough to die for you, to take the poison off your veins. It's that simple. And look, I know we're going to mess up. Forgive me if these last sermons have seemed like I'm yelling that that's not at all what I'm trying to do. The truth of the matter is, like, I don't, we, nobody knows how long they got anywhere, right? Like Lydia and I could get moved by the conference. Lydia and I could get called somewhere else. Lydia and I could be dead tomorrow. And so what do we want to communicate? The urgency of follow Jesus now. Because I don't want this congregation, I don't want myself, I don't want my wife to go through life and never be challenged to do what Jesus said. We always write it off as so hard man, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things we got to do. There's a lot of boxes we got to check. Man, Jesus just broke it down to a Pharisee that you ain't got to check any boxes, man. You just got to look at the son of man who's been lifted up on Calvary because he loves you so much to die for you. It's that simple. The gospel is that simple. Christianity is that simple. Our God loves you that much. Our God loves us that much. That's crazy, it's crazy. And the great thing about it is, we're going to mess up. We're going to have unrepentant hearts. We're going to stray. Man, this week has been one of the biggest failures for me of any week I've had in a, in a while. I've struggled. It's been, I've been, the days have beat me. You ever have one of those weeks where you just try and try and try, and it seems like you can't get your footing on anything? But this teaching. Shows me that it ain't about my performance, it ain't about your performance. All we got to do is look to Christ. All we need to know is that he died for us. And the question that is before us is what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to say great and nothing changes? Or are we going to start trying to usher in the kingdom of God by telling people the same thing? Listen, Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. God loves you and he sent his son. And all you got to know about this whole big book is that. I mean, the gospel is so simple. Truth is so simple. And yet we always try to make it more complex. I don't know I I guess the message here I guess the thing I'm trying to communicate is Jesus Christ loves each and every one of you so much and God has made you for a specific purpose so what are we going to do about it let's pray God thank you for your gospel thank you for yourself thank you for your son thank you for your word Thank you for your church. Help us be your church. Help us love your word. Help us follow your son, and help us honor, glorify you. Father, we know we can't do it on our own, but we know all we got to do is look to your son who's been lifted up on a tree that we deserve to hang on. We also know that he got up, rose, and so now we can rise from our sin, from our shame, and follow Jesus into a resurrection, a rebirth. Father, help us do that. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to. We pray this in the name of your unbelievably wonderful son. the name of Jesus Christ, amen.